What You Missed on Weekend Mornings with Jason Dacey. The unmistakable sounds of the Beatles' Hey Jude from 1968. Back with uh, Neil Humphreys in our pop culture segment. Neil, mm. 50 years ago it was released and went to number one, of course, in the UK, all around the world. Some people say it's the greatest pop song of all time. It spent seven weeks at number one after its release and remains one of the most popular records of all time in the top five of the Lennon-McCartney songbook. So it's a special dedication to Hey Jude, which I know that has made a big impression on you throughout your uh, music-loving career. Oh, um, where do you start with Hey Jude? One of the first songs I knew as a child, my mother, it was one of her favourite songs. It is the soundtrack of not my generation, but my parents' generation and arguably my grandparents' generation. It'll be the soundtrack of my daughter's generation. You go to any pop festival, rock gig in the world where Paul McCartney is involved and he'll always finish with that song and people will be crying, people will be hugging people will be celebrating and every person in the arena will know every single word yep so it's- i love the story behind the song i love the fact that um you know as you know he was driving out to see julian lennon and uh, cynthia lennon just after john lennon had separated with cynthia and as he was driving out to the mansion he was trying to think of a lullaby for julian and he started singing hey jules you know obviously short for julian because the interesting thing about that they just separated john and cynthia and all the other Beatles had shunned Cynthia. And then she hadn't done anything wrong, but they felt loyalty to John, except Paul. And this is why, as I've got older, and you're the same, since I've become a father and a, and a long-time husband, I've got much more respect for McCartney than I do for Lennon. When you're a student, it's all oh, hippie stuff, and Lennon's cool, working-class hero, and he's got the rocky songs. But when I think of Paul McCartney driving out to see a woman that's just been dumped, and a son that's just been dumped and neglected, and he turned up with a red rose just for Cynthia, he turned up with a red rose for Cynthia, and a song for Julian that become Hey Jude. And he sang it to him that morning, sitting on the floor. Julian was about four or five by then. And then you take it to the next level. They go into the studio with that song. And it was probably the last time that all four Beatles were still reasonably friendly, all worked together as a team. After that, they had a big fallout. Ringo Starr left the band. They wrote the White Album. And as you know, they all worked in separate studios. They were barely talking by then. It was very acrimonious. Hey Jude represents the pinnacle of the Beatles' collective individual achievement, their songwriting relationship, their friendship, because after 1968, it sadly goes downhill. And last thing I'll say about that is, if you watch the anthology, which I've seen many, many times on DVD, even in the anthology, you want it to stop there. You want it to stop with that famous Hey Jude performance on the, on the David Frost show, 1968. You want it to stop there. Because after that, it's all acrimonious. It's arguing. It's infighting. It's suing each other. It's hatred and anger and women and this and that. That was their last great definitive Beatles moment as a little four-piece band. It's glorious. We're paying tribute to the 50th anniversary of Hey Jude. And what about the B-side of that release? It was Revolution. That was a really uh, great release. We don't make many uh, singles like that anymore. But the way it was written and the way it was crafted, it broke every rule, Neil, in the book. Yep. The length of the, the song and also the, some of the lyrics in the song. There's that part about the, the burden on the shoulder, I think. Yeah, that, um, movement you need is on yeah, your shoulder. Yeah. Paul McCartney always says that, 
he was going to get rid of that line because A, it repeats a similar line earlier on and movement on your shoulders sounds like a parrot. Yes. Sounds like Long John Silver. And he played it to John and Yoko famously and he said, don't worry about that, John. I'll get rid of that line. And John said, you won't, you know, it's the yeah. best line in the song. Yeah. And it is because it means, you know, friendship, solidarity, collective spirit. That movement you need is on your shoulder. Someone will always be there guiding you, supporting you. Look, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Um, so John Lennon was right and he likes that part because A, it reminds Paul of John and B, that they st even then, even when Yoko Ono was on the scene, they still had that ability to help each other, to support each other mm. musically and professionally. And the way that it crosses uh, boundaries, as you mentioned, different generations still love the song. I always remember when I first arrived in, in Singapore, uh, believe it or not, I used to do uh, singing lessons at a place called the Music Clinic with a guy called Peter Tan, who was actually uh, Stephanie Sun's uh, singing coach, and just for, just for fun. And I remember going in there, and I just arrived in Singapore not long before, and, uh, you know, the song that they said, oh, look, why don't you play this song, uh, sing this song? And it was just some young teenager, you know, who obviously was very young and hadn't really had any exposure to the Beatles. But it was such an entrenched song that in this uh, music studio where he works, the music clinic, uh, it was such an important part of Singapore life that anyone comes in, this is the song that they get uh, shown. Yeah, I'm sure. Everybody knows this song. I mean, I've got a personal story. Very quickly, I was doing a book launch in Topayu's popular bookstore. Important to me because Topayu, as people know, was my kampong last time. Yes. So my right daughter, here where we are now. Exactly. My, yeah, literally. Yeah, that's mm. right. Just a kilometre away from here. My daughter was five years old at the time and I'd finished my book launch but the microphone was still switched on and it was on the desk and I was signing books and people were going about their business. What my five-year-old very shy daughter didn't know was the microphone was not only switched on but it was mic'd up to the PA system around the whole of the store. <laughs> right. So the whole of Topio's hub could hear this microphone mm. and she picked up the song, picked up the microphone mm. five years old and said, Hey Jude, <laughs> not knowing anybody could hear. Mm. She sang almost the whole song, Jason, when she was five years old. And I swear, <laughs> it brought a tear to my As eye. As a five-year-old, Because that's everybody stopped mm. in the store. People mm. outside the store stopped to listen to this angelic child mm. singing this song. If she'd have known that everybody could hear her, <laughs> she would have had stage fright. Mm. So it, I have a beautiful, just a beautiful memory, personal memory of that great song. Yeah, and look, you know, me uh, coming from that generation, the late baby boomers, late 50s, early 60s, I can actually remember the song being released. Wow. I can Things that I can remember from the Beatles, not much because I was still at primary school. First one was um, Obla Di Obla Da, because it was kind of that catchy song. <laughs> yeah. Second one was going to see Yellow Submarine at the, at the cinema yep. with my mum. You know, which is something uh, you know, I remember seeing all the colours and mm. I was, it was a bit over, overwhelming, actually. And the third one is uh, not the Hey Jude start, but the end when everyone's going, nah, Brilliant. nah, nah. So I remember that. It's funny when you're a kid, certain things really make yeah, an impact yeah, yeah. on you. Those are three. And then I remember April 1970. It was my birthday, actually. And I heard the news that the Beatles were breaking up. Yeah. So those are the kind of four landmarks of my career. And I, I remember actually my parents had bought the, uh, the long play Beatles. You know, I think it was She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And it was just sitting in our record uh, department uh, section. You know, that was always there. Something would always play. And they actually had tickets to go and see the Beatles at, in Sydney in 1964. And they didn't go because mm. my dad didn't like crowds. So it's funny. Even though, you know, you and I are kind of not like the, ba the classic baby boomers who have 
you know, watch the Ed Sullivan show and Vietnam yep. War. There's still an impact, isn't there? Oh, it's a huge impact. I mean, it's a huge impact for everybody. Like I said, a five-year-old girl singing in a popular bookstore, mm. and it brings the store to a standstill because everybody in that store in Topayu in Singapore knows the song. And also, again, coming back to what the song represents, after this, do watch it on YouTube because it was the only live performance of the song on the David Foss show. Yep. And it ended up being their last performance happy performance before an actual audience yes. because after that yes they did the rooftop gig mm. before they split up but that wasn't before an audience and you just see the joy the four of them are together they're playing a song that they all know is good yeah. John even when John hated Paul in a, in, a, in a sort of really dark days afterwards one of the last interviews before he died for Rolling Stone magazine he always said it was one of Paul's greatest songs and he always said it was about him uh, <laughs> go out and get her he yeah. thought that was Paul saying to John, go and get Yoko Ono. Mm-hmm. If that song really is about Yoko Ono, <laughs> I've never listened to it again. But a couple of quick musical facts. Mm. These are unbelievable. First thing, they did a few takes of it. On one of the takes, this is musical magic, Jason. Listen to this. On one of the takes, Paul started playing the piano and realised Ringo wasn't there. He'd gone to the toilet, <laughs> right? <laughs> is that right? Because he doesn't come in for about 45 seconds. Oh, so dear. he starts playing. Hey, Jude, he's playing. And then he hears, he tiptoes, Ringo coming in behind him and not sitting down quietly. And on 40 seconds plus, he starts doing the da dum dum And that was the take they used. Is that, that true? That is the song we yes, just played. that's true, yes. That was Ringo Starr coming in 40 seconds late because he went for wow. a pee. His timing was impeccable. Point two, and this blew my mind, Jason. At two minutes and 58 seconds, Paul McCartney swears. Does he? He says, oh, something hell. Oh, dear. Because he fluffs a key on the piano. And John liked it so much, they kept it in the mix. Two minutes, so 58. I'm not, uh, anyone okay. over the age of 21, Okay. when you listen on YouTube later, put it on your earphones, play it very loud, two minutes and 58 seconds, you'll hear Paul McCartney swear. Third thing, and this this is the the clem de la clem, the piste de resistance, the Beckstein piano that Paul McCartney plays in that song, which they recorded in the Trident Studios, is considered the greatest, most hallowed piano in rock and roll history. That same piano, one piano, was Paul McCartney playing Hey Jude, was Freddie Mercury playing Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. was Rick Wakeman playing Life on Mars with Rick. David Bowie in the studio, was Yellow Brick Road... Elton John. Same piano. Same, the exact same piano played on 20 or 30 of the greatest rock and roll songs in history. Space Oddity, Hunky Dory, Life on Mars, all the David Bowie classics, uh, Hey Jude with the Beatles, all of the songs around the Bohemian Rhapsody period for Queen. Same piano. It was recently sold for something like $400,000 on eBay to an anonymous bidder. Wow. I bet you it was Paul McCartney. Nobody will know, mm. but I bet you it was Paul McCartney. That same piano. Extraordinary, right? That's incredible. It really is one of the best pop songs of all time. It was on the UK charts in the week ending September 11th, 1968. Began its run at number one. Number two was the Bee Gees' I've Got a Message to You. Great song. Number three was Do It Again by the Beach Boys, another good song. And number four, very timely, was I Say a Little Prayer by Aretha Franklin. Wow. Just random pop chart in 1968, four classic songs that everybody still sings today. I guarantee you, Jason, in 50 years, we will not be singing the top four in the world today. I don't even know what they are. I don't care. But I can tell you this, none of them are anything like those four you mentioned there. And also on the charts that week, 
in the top 25, Simon and Garfunkel, The Kinks, The Four Tops, oh. and Dusty Springfield. It, it reads like a yeah. greatest hits, doesn't it, of the last it 50 does. years, and it's just a random pop chart from 1968. Yeah. Extraordinary. Well, thank you very much, uh, Paul McCartney, for writing Hey Jude, one of the best pop songs of all time, and this has been Pop Culture right here on Money FM 89.3 with Neil Humphreys.